up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for the 100th episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. And tonight we are going over all of the action from this past week of college football. And a uh, couple, couple things that aren't necessarily on the field related but super interesting. Before we get into any football stuff, we are very happy to announce that our first merch through Millions is available and I would love to take credit for the design because it's super cool. It's badass. Um, but those were the people over at Millions that got that going and uh, designed that for us. We have t-shirts and hoodies available. So if you're looking for a Christmas gift for um, for somebody and your family that's a diehard dogs fan, go check out that. Um, I want to say it's on all of our social media pages. Maybe not Instagram just yet, but I can fix that. Um so, how's your weekend, and what are you drinking? Weekend was good. Uh, I'm in Facebook jail, so it's been a uh, been kind of quiet. It's been kind of cool to get away from the uh, the phone a little bit. Um, but uh, besides that, I mean, it, it easy man. Three day weekend was nice. Uh, you know, Veterans Day on Friday. Thank you for your service, <laughs> you you Wes. So all the uh, all the vets out there appreciate it. Um, not really sure why we had Friday off, but you know, I'll take it. But um uh what about you? Um, no nah, man, it was good. I had a great weekend in Athens. I talked about it last week, but Thursday night went to uh went to go see Charles Wesley Godwin at the Georgia Theater. Friday got to see Georgia beat Wake Forest in basketball. First time I've been to a basketball game where the dogs won. Um, I've been to that was my fourth game and their first win. So I was really starting to think I was the problem, but I'm glad <laughs> I'm not. Okay. Um, Saturday, man, Saturday was wild and not the best way. So we left my in-laws at 3 o'clock. 7, seven o'clock game. We left four mm. hours early. We are going to go park, get an Uber, hang out with one of my friends downtown for a little bit, and then walk to the game. Mm. You know what time we finally got a parking spot? Six. Five. Oh, well, still shit. Yeah. All of the free parking on East Campus was full by 345. Um, mm. All of the parking spots and decks and lots downtown were full by the time we made it from East Campus to downtown. Um, mm. We ended up paying $80 to park at the Classic Center. How far of a walk is that? Um, it's it's pretty much Clayton Street and oh, I feel real dumb for not knowing it's Clayton and Oconee. Okay. So uh, I'd say like half to three quarters of a mile, something like that. That's not um, bad. We parked when we went to the uh, spring game. We parked right downtown, and then we parked right by uh, Insomnia Cookies. So like it wasn't wasn't it was probably about that. It wasn't too bad of a walk, but. Oh, yeah. this is further than Insomnia because we had to go pretty much to the arch to um, mm -hmm. to get. Um, I'm actually about to Google Maps it right now. But for it to be cold, like relatively cold and rainy, uh, to do that walk too, not not ideal. Um, it was 20 minutes and 0.8 miles according to Google Maps of a walk. And you had to do that back, drunk. More than likely. 
Um, I wasn't drunk by the end of the game. Okay. But at the end of the game, it was uphill and actually raining harder at the end of the game than it was at any point during the game. Athens is sneaky, sneaky hilly. That doesn't get talked about nearly enough. It really doesn't. (laughs) Uh, But for drinking, man, I got a bubbly. I got a sparkling water. I, uh, Hmm. I don't want to say I hit it real hard yesterday, but between when we parked at five, I had like a 20 ounce Diet Coke that I pretty much filled up with Hunter Proof Evan Williams. Um, okay. Drank that by the time we got to the stadium. Mm-hmm. And then I had uh, two airplane bottles of Hunter Proof Evan Williams in my boots. Um, And then I promise this was a stupid, stupid, stupid decision. Um, walking into the stadium... I found a, an airplane bottle of Jim Beam on the ground. Sure wasn't piss? Well, no, I gave it an airplane bottle. You're right. Uh, it was opened. It was 100% opened. But I smelled it, and it was whiskey. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I drank that, too. And I know it was stupid. I know it was. But... Wow. I, I, speechless. That's... that's uh, Wow. Okay. Uh, yep. No one's <laughs> accused me of being responsible. Ever. <laughs> Woo! Alright. We, we got home from Athens probably 15 minutes ago, so. That, that beautiful, beautiful drive. Yeah. Oh. Oh! Th- I'm glad you said that. So, if anybody is around the Atlanta area, I'm sure they've seen the pictures of the, uh, Thought Patrol car. Okay, I have um, I have not, I've not heard that. So it's like a decommissioned cop car that says Thought Patrol on it instead of a mm-hmm. police precinct or police, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, well, the Atlanta Thought Patrol is in Savannah this weekend, and we were behind them for about thirty minutes. <laughs> did they did they uh, apprehend anybody? No, but they took the road towards Temptations. Um, so I think okay. they're going to a target rich environment. Oh, good for them. I mean, this Sunday Sunday is kind of a weird day to be doing that. I don't know how many bachelorette parties are going on right now, but they will they'll find what they're looking for. That's for sure. Yes. Um. So I I mean, perfect segue. Somebody that didn't get what they were looking for. Texas A and M when they hired Jimbo Fisher, uh, mm-hmm. who was fired this morning. I just, you know, I want to know where I went wrong in my life to not have a job where I can get paid $76.8 million to not work. Yeah, almost $77 million to go away, to get out. Uh, my wife my wife suggested, why don't they just give him a broom and make him like the highest paid janitor in the state of Texas? Might be more effective. But although he's not really good at cleaning up messes, so I don't know. Yeah, he makes more than he cleans up. Yeah. Just be like, hey, Jimbo, you're going to get paid to sit in the corner, and if you talk, if you say one word, we're docking your pay. Mm-hmm. Just go sit That's going to be really hard, really hard for him. That that man loves to talk. Uh, he talked his way into, um, into getting fired. What's funny is the last public words he said as the Texas A&M head football coach. Do you know what they are? No. We we are three or four plays away from being a playoff contender. 
That was the last <laughs> sentence of his post-game press conference. And the next news about Jimbo Fisher was that he was fired. It's funny, the timing of it, too. We kind of talked about it a little bit, kind of going back and forth when it happened. Like, they just beat uh, Mississippi State, what was it, 41-10 or something like that? Like, they they beat them significant. Like, it was a significant beatdown. Not that that's really saying a whole lot, because Mississippi State is, you know, god-awful. Yeah. But just the timing of it is just kind of odd. I mean, they just now are are bowl-eligible. Again, right. not that that's worth the the amount of money that they've been paying him to just get to a bowl game to get to like the Liberty Bowl or some something like that. But it, it's just it's odd to happen right now. I get it. I mean, I don't know why it wasn't sooner, but it's just after a relatively easy win, they they do it. It's just it's weird. Well, I think I think big thing is code or athletic directors have started firing head coaches before the end of the season so they can start their search. I mean, Boise State fired their head coach today. Um, oh, Harson back to Boise? Is that what we're are we reporting that? Do what? Are we gonna report Harson going back to Boise? He's probably their second best coach in program history. It wouldn't be the worst thing to happen. No, it wouldn't. No, not at all. All his uh, whole staff's available. Hey guys, I know Auburn is uh, is nice and warm, but let's go back to Idaho. <laughs> Get the band back together. Let's run it back. The good old days. Yeah, I, what one of the most wild things about this, and you know, we kind of talked about it this off season with Robert Barons, and a lot of people were saying that Jimbo was no way had zero chance to get fired this year because of that buyout, mm-hmm. and it, I mean. So the largest buyout ever before Jimbo's was what was it? Gus Malzahn, twenty-two million. Yeah, I think it was something like that. It was, it, I think it was a hair shy of twenty-two million. But that was that was in twenty twenty too. Like that was coming off of the well, coming off of the pandemic season. I guess at the end of it, and he didn't even have that bad of a season. Like he's no, like he got them to a national championship. He almost got them to you know the playoff too. So he yeah. he did more, or he did uh, less to get fired than than Jimbo did. Yes. Um, I will say probably the biggest difference is Jimbo had won a national title, even though that was quite literally just because Jameis Winston was a cheat code in college. Um, uh, college college Jameis is one of my favorite. College just, Jameis is like spelled, is like autocorrect on your phone. Like you can mm-hmm. make a mistake and it and he changes it for you. Mm-hmm. Because Jimbo's play calling is just one big mistake. Mm-hmm. He really, he really should give uh, Jameis some some of that uh, some of that money. Give him a tip because he owe, he owes him quite a bit of that. Because there's no way that he would have won a national championship before that. That was one of the issues with um um you know at the toward the end of his tenure at Florida State was he kind of stopped recruiting and that's kind of what it looked like this year. I think they were 13th or 14th in uh, recruiting for this cycle too. So like it kind of fell off considerably from like those top five classes that he was pumping out the last couple of years. So they probably got ahead of it. I, you know, I think part of that is, um, you know, Jimbo stops recruiting once he, once he feels like he's reached his peak. Mm -hmm. But I think another part of that is the transfer portal is opening up recruits eyes. Cause if you have, a huge class and after a year a lot of them are leaving high school kids are looking at it like why do i want to go do that too yeah burn my burn my transfer year or yeah not. yeah exactly 
so you know i this this is the year of the transfer portal and by that i mean a lot of teams you know let's a&m specifically a&m without their starting quarterback normally they they would no, have no chance at making a bowl right right max johnson transfers in from lsu he wasn't the starter this year but he made up for a lot of those play calling mistakes and poor offensive play and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, I, in the Georgia game, Spencer Sanders was a transfer quarterback. Jackson Dart goes down with what was reported as a collarbone injury and possibly a broken collarbone. That's funny because Lane said he could have went back in if the game was closer. So uh, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. I, I can tell you that seeing that hit in person – and then seeing the replay of it a few times, I don't know if he could have gone back in. No. Because he got sandwiched between two dudes sprinting at him. Well, and hell, one I of think them was over three hundred pounds. I was to say, I thought Zion he took a while to get up too. Yeah. 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 When you hurt somebody like Zion Logue yeah. because he hit you so hard, you probably shouldn't come back in that game. Just mm. Just probably not. Um, no. But Spencer Sanders comes in. I thought Spencer played pretty well. I mean, all things considered, the the game was pretty much in hand at that point. But mm-hmm. he played what he played just as well as Jackson Dart was, and when he was in the game, yeah, transfer yeah. quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jackson too. There you go. You, yeah, yep. exactly. I I think this is kind of the most parody that we've seen in college football, and a big part of that's because of the transfer portal. Which you know, I'm I'm not against that. No. whatsoever Mm-mm. um go ahead no i was gonna say uh too like kind of going back to the buyout stuff we talked about um if uh with gus malzahn getting the biggest one prior to uh to today if uh florida were to fire sunbelt billy we'll get to him in a little bit um probably not gonna make a bowl game considering they have to go to uh como i'm not gonna say it but yeah. uh gonna <laughs> gonna go to como probably lose there and then they finish at home against Florida State. They're going to be 5 and 7. They're not going to a bowl game. This they shouldn't have went last year cuz they got their ass kicked there. But uh somebody Billy get 32 million dollars. Coach O got 17 million less than 2 years after winning the national championship in 20 uh 2019. So god, it's just it, it must be must be nice. The best job in the world is a fired college football coach. Like I said, if I, you know, I just want a job where they can pay me to get fired. Mm-hmm. That's, that would be ideal. Failing upward. It's the American I dream. To, I need to figure out how to do that. Um, yeah. So, I don't think we're going to get there in this uh, in our lines of work. No, probably <laughs> probably not. Because um, if you if you fail, shit's burning down. Correct. Correct. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, so let's talk just for a minute about possible head coach candidates. So. From Georgia, maybe Glenn Schumann, um, and then someone that has accused us of not using facts said that uh, A&M should go after Kirby and throw stupid money at him. I, personally, mm-hmm. I think Schumann could possibly look at it, yeah. but Kirby wants three things in a job. He wants the ability to recruit how he sees fit. He wants mm-hmm. facilities to keep up with recruitment. He wants to compete and win national championships. 
he's I doing that where he's at right now. He's like, uh, yeah, money's probably sixth or seventh on his list. Yeah. So yeah, like you could throw twenty million dollars a year at Kirby Smart, and Georgia would give him a raise, mm-hmm. and he would still live in Athens. The amount of coaches that are going to get a bump in pay because their name is just th- like thrown out there to be the Texas A and M coach is going to be huge. Dan Lanning, I I don't, and we're going to get into it in a little bit here, but like someone like Dan Lanning, I I don't know if he would end up taking it. I think he's probably the most likely to, but. He's going to use this as leverage to get even more money from Oregon because they, I think they would be crazy to let him go because Oregon's been a feeder program to like Florida State and other places the last, you know, like 10 years. So, like, they, I mean, they like what they have going with him. They don't want to lose him. So, but yeah, a bunch of people are going to be making tons of money off of just rumors about going to a college station. So, let's go through this just, you know, short list pretty quick. So, Dan Lanning, I think. I think he stays at Oregon, gets a pay raise. I mean, even if they were already in the Big Ten, they would pro- they would arguably be the second or they would be top three team. And I think you can make an argument for any of the top three spots in the Big Ten right now. They're built for they're built to be a Big Ten team. Like yeah. d- defense, I don't know. I mean, Bo's not going to be there next year, but they're they're the most Big Ten ready of any of the newcomers next yeah. year. So so the thought that Dan couldn't compete with Oregon in the Big Ten, I don't think is true. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think Dan stays. Kalen DeBoer, uh, Washington head coach, For if you don't know who that is. Mm. I think that's interesting. Mm. Um, I think Washington, because of the success he's had this year and last year, I think they give him a raise and give him a shot in the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, but I don't know how long he's going to be at Washington in the Big Ten unless that defense gets consi- it considerably better. Mm. Yeah, he's going to have to put a lot into that. I mean, he... He's the anti-Jim Bowman in terms of, like, he knows how offenses work. So that might be a good thing with all the recruiting, you know, That's tools right. that they have there. I mean, that that could be a good one. But I is he a fit? I don't know. Culturally, I don't. I have no idea. Yeah, that's that's a great point. I don't know anything about his background, so I, I don't have any, mm-hmm. uh, any answer for that. His name doesn't sound Southern. It does not. It doesn't. <laughs> um, so Lane Kiffin, I think this is an interesting one. And honestly... Before I had four and a half hours in a car with some thoughts, I thought there was no way Lane takes this job. Mm. And then I was thinking. So Lane's biggest gripe about being the head coach at Ole Miss is that he can overachieve with what he has, but he doesn't have the means to get the recruits and the facilities to get to that next step. And this game Saturday proved it. Yes. (laughs) Yes, it did. Um, I think, honestly, Lane, like their pitch to Lane should be, you have done more at Ole Miss than probably any, most other coaches in college football. Mm -hmm. Put your money where your mouth is and come beat Nick and Kirby with everything we can give you. Mm-hmm. And let his ego force him to take that job. And can you imagine like the uh, recruiting battles that him and uh, Sark would have in Texas for you know cream the crop there? Oh my, that'd be entertaining as hell. Yes, it would. Um, so Urban, maybe, yeah. Ur- Urban, I, I think his name's just going to get thrown at every Power Five head coaching vacancy right now. Mm-hmm. I don't. One, I don't think he's fit. Two, I don't think Texas A&M stoops that low. If 
if I'm being entirely honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know if he would want to come to the SEC again because every other program has caught up with what he was doing at Florida and would every single one of them would kick his ass. He would have another heart attack or heart problem and give or take two and a half seasons. Right. He, yeah. Talk about people that can't clean up their own messes. I mean, he's left like disgraced from his last three jobs. I mean, obviously Jacksonville, that, yeah, that whole thing, uh, Ohio state and not, you know, reporting to us as peers about domestic violence and stuff like that. Not a good look. And then just Florida. Ohio state's name. Right. That's already mud. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, Ooh, ah, it's tough to do. Yeah. But he did it. Damn it. He did it. Um, next one, Dan Mullen. I, I think this is one of the few jobs that he would come back for. He wouldn't, I, I was, I was trying to make the argument that he, we, you know, Kirby talked about it. And then obviously Dan talked about it, about not wanting to recruit, um, with the NIL behind him and all that. I don't know how much, obviously he still was going to have to do recruiting and stuff like that, but I, it would be a lot easier because their NIL is way more developed and funded and all that than Florida's. Florida's is still kind of a mess yeah. right now. So I, I think it would be an easier job for him. I think he would be have a better chance of succeeding at Texas A&M than he would have at Florida if he had you know not, gonna, not been fired. Yeah, I think based on that alone, I think that Texas A&M is one of the few jobs that he could really exceed in, uh, in recruiting. Or he might he, he might he might go back to Mississippi State. <laughs> I wonder. Um, and yeah. then, last but not least, I think Mike Elko is probably. I would say if the if I'm just purely speculating, which all of this is, I think Mike Elko is probably the leader in the clubhouse for me because. Oh. He is. He was a defensive coordinator under all of Texas A and M good Texas A and M's good teams under Jimbo Fisher. Mm-hmm. Um, he took a three and nine Duke program, turned them around in one season to six and four next year, nine and three. And this year they only lost one game with their starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that was to a top 10 Notre Dame team at the time. So it's not splashy, like pretty much every other name on this list. Yeah. But I think if you want a, if you want to build a program that can compete, Mike Elko's the answer. One more like super, super dark horse one. And um, it was in uh, Robert Barron's article that he had posted for Good Bull, Good Bull Hunting. It was uh, Lions head coach Dan Campbell. I don't think he's going to do it. He has the uh, Lions rolling, which is something that has never been said. That's not a sentence that, that's existed before. Hey, rolling uphill, though. Not yeah. downhill like normal. Yeah, not, <laughs> not a car that's on fire going into a lake. It, it, it's a legit wagon at this point seven and three no big deal but um i didn't realize that dan campbell is a, he went to texas a&m so that might be something i think he'd be a hell of a college coach if it doesn't work out in the nfl but i i don't see someone that's that's peaking in the nfl right now going to even their alma mater regardless of how much they care about it it's not it's not the same quality of life guys killed to try to go to the nfl from college yeah. so i don't i don't see it happening i think if dan campbell was a college coach he could take Vanderbilt to the mm-hmm. playoff. Just motivation alone. He, yeah, I. everybody loves like, playing for him. No one's ever said a bad thing about uh, Dan Talica. Dan would, like, he would build a brick wall by hand while the team's warming up 
and get them so fired up they literally run through a brick wall to come out on the field. When and he just says, no doubt in my mind that he could physically build a brick wall. Like I, mm-hmm. I assume he just knows how to do it. He's the most manly man out there. He, if when he just says like men, like that, just I'm like fuck, let's go. That's all he has to say. That's all he has to say. I want uh, him, him and Kirby. Yeah, can make anybody run through a wall. And last, not least, um, kind of a wild, wild conversation that could be probably had in the off season. Is there any shot Bobby Petrino gets promoted from? offensive coordinator internally to head coach absolutely not that i i don't think i don't think so way that's gonna happen i i mean they he has more head coaching experience than the rest of the staff combined and they didn't make him the interim coach yeah was, oh was it the defensive coordinator i can't remember who they did associate head coach was oh. his title do you okay? So I okay. I just looked up Bobby Petrino. Do you know how old Bobby Petrino is? Just take a guess. Is it older than you would think, or younger than you would think? Um, a lot younger. Oh damn! I was gonna say well, like sixty-eight. Oh, that was nice. Uh, sixty-two. Okay, not too far. I off. I thought I I would have thought he was yeah like sixty-nine, seventy something like that. That's that was my guess, but a lot younger than I would have thought. Um, I mean, you want to know who ended the night a lot older than they started? That's Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss. There we go. Um, okay, there we go. So, before the game, Jordan had already clinched the SEC East for the sixth time in eight years under Kirby Smart because Tennessee, um, let's just say they're, they're making some big dentures in Knoxville because the program just got their teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. Um. Thank you, Missouri. Yeah. Thank you. We have been Missouri respecters all season. Mm-hmm. Um, but huge thank you to Missouri, even though Georgia didn't need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I haven't even watched the broadcast yet, but you've got it in here. Before the game, Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreet said that Athens isn't known for being a raucous environment, um, even um, though can... the Tennessee game happened last year. Mm-hmm. Um broke the record for loudest college football stadium of all time, even though it is not in the top five as far as capacity goes. Um, And then there were college kids sitting at college game day this morning in the rain when it was 50 degrees outside, but Mm -hmm. not, not raucous. Um, And then even during, I, so the only thing I saw of the broadcast, because Kelsey said she wanted to rewatch the game with me, is mm-hmm. pregame interview where Kirby couldn't hear Holly Rowe when they were shoulder to shoulder and had to lean down to listen to her. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. Not raucous. Not no. not enough. No. Two be. I think the last game that uh, that Reese and uh, Kirby, not Reese and Kirby, Reese and uh, Kirk did was that Arkansas game uh, la- in, what, 21? Or was that last year? The one last where year. Arkansas, it was 21. The one where Arkansas, yeah. it was a noon game, and they had like 10 false starts and a safety yeah. on the day because, mm-hmm. okay. That one. That was. I think that was the last one. That's the last game that they did uh, in Athens. And again, a nooner, 
super loud, but yeah, not rockets. They just have short memories. Cause usually those bigger games are on CBS. So they don't have the opportunity to be in a, uh, in Sanford, but regardless, ridiculous. I saw somebody out there before we get into the actual game itself. Talk about the Tennessee game last year being rainy, weather, you know, weather not being good, grass being too long and all that kind of the same deal on a, on Saturday with, you know, with rain and just kind of cold and all that. Somebody on, I think it was Reddit or, or something like that said that George was using chemtrails to influence the weather to slow down, you know, these big time opponents that they have making it rain. Um, fun, fun fact. Um, it barely misted for probably 15 minutes of the game. Did it really? Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. As someone that was sitting inside of the stadium, I had a poncho on because it would be like intermittent. It would like yeah. mist or sprinkle for like two minutes and then quit. Mm. But it, <clears throat> it, towards the end of halftime, it legit rained for maybe two minutes. Um, oh, that was at the okay. very end of halftime. Mm-hmm. And then it pretty much once the clock hit zero at the end of the fourth quarter, it started actually raining. Perfect. Okay. <clears throat> so, so that's kind of dumb. It was actually, it actually felt warmer in the stadium in the third and fourth quarter than it had all day. I don't know why. Hmm. Maybe it's because I was wearing a poncho and drinking whiskey and Coke. It's entirely possible. Could have something to do with it. Yeah. Maybe the lights um, extra hot. I don't lights. know. Maybe the red lights are warmer. I don't know. Maybe the red lights are warmer. We we need to figure this out. Um, yeah, we'll get to the bottom of we'll get to the bottom of it. Yeah, we're not math, but science. <laughs> that's us. Yeah. <clears throat> also, kind of weird for them to say. I guess if they said it before the game, it kind of makes sense because on the first drive, on Ole Miss's first drive, it, it like where the where the scoreboard reads how loud it is. Um, it was a second down. Georgia, we got over to a, we got over 120 decibels on a second, second down in the first drive. So they had, a, they had a false start in that first drive, first like play. early, right? Yeah, first play. Mm, there we go. Not raucous. Not no. enough. No. Mm. But uh, we're gonna get into a little bit of the senior night stuff here. I will say before we even say anything about it, Brock Bowers did not participate in senior night. Leave that, well, he's exactly, not a senior. leave that exactly where it is because yep. there were plenty of other juniors that participated in senior night. I'm just going to leave it there. Um, but this is the winningest class in school history, 47-3, and three, with a chance to tie the 2022 class during the regular season at 49 wins if they beat Tennessee and Georgia Tech. Mm. 27 consecutive wins with a chance to tie Alabama's SEC record at 28 if they beat Tennessee next week. 37 regular season wins in a row in 12. So stupid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. over three regular seasons. Mm -hmm. at just like if you stacked regular seasons on top of each other, that's more than three. Um, that's like September, what, 2019, right? For that yeah. South Carolina game. Yes. Good Lord. <laughs> um, well, 2020 Florida, if you count the COVID year. 
Oh, I was looking at the the home the home oh, wins. My home. Yeah, yeah. They, um, South Carolina wasn't ranked. Never mind. I'm no. yeah. Twenty twenty um, didn't count though. And then twelfth straight home win against a ranked opponent. Huge. That's a, that that right there might be the most impressive thing of of all that. Really. Um, I have personally nicknamed the game that took place last night the slaughter in Sanford mm-hmm. because it. It was. That was a top 10 opponent that took Alabama into the fourth quarter. Top 10 opponent that beat one of the, or the best offense in the SEC and probably the best quarterback in college football this year in LSU. Mm-hmm. A team that beat Texas A&M at home and really Texas A&M's like Super Bowl of the season at that point. Yeah. Georgia made them look like they were not in the SEC. No, we talked. We talked about it. Like they, Georgia plays again when they're you know feel disrespected or like they you know have a, an opponent like worthy of getting up for. They get the hell up for that. I mean, it, it obviously Kentucky was the first ranked opponent they played. Now, obviously, they've fallen out, but um, it was a beatdown. It, it felt like one of those you know like the Oregon game you know last year. I mean, it, I obviously Ole Miss scored you know. 14 points in the first quarter. And we kind of have talked about the, that before that just kind of being Georgia's MO is just giving up points early and then just clamping it down and making adjustments and all that. But like, did you ever feel like it was in doubt at all? Um, I will say slightly disheartened when Georgia could not prevent Ole Miss from getting a fourth down conversion on those two drives. Yeah. Like the first drive and the second drive was a three and out. And then that third drive where they went for it on fourth down, like two more times. And it's yeah. like, what, what is going on here? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, one thing that I think Georgia has done better at this year in games that matter is getting to the quarterback. Um, they yep. did it last week against Brady Cook. And it, when it mattered, and thing I said about Brady Cook is if you hit him, he will make mistakes. I mean, Tennessee even got an interception on him last week or yesterday. Mm. Uh, the next play after they sacked Brady Cook, he threw an interception. That's kind of how he does it this year. Yeah. Um, and then this week, Jackson Dart just didn't stand a chance. Mm. I will say a big part of that is um, something we talked to Grayson about last week. Their starting right tackle, uh, injured midweek, out for the season. On the first drive, they lost two offensive linemen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a referee. So they, it didn't help them whatsoever. <laughs> right, and, yeah. You know, <clears throat> I thought it was actually a decently officiated game for the most part. There were some questionable calls, but there was also some stuff on both sides that they let go. It seemed to be one of those games where, you know, they were just going to let them play, and if something was egregious, call it. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it it's kind of – I would much rather there be little to no penalties called than – stuff all over the place when it's stupid. I think uh, Georgia only had two less penalties called on them than Ole Miss did. I think it was like Ole Miss had seven and Georgia had like five. So it wasn't, wasn't bad either way. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to read this next bullet and then just kind of put that into perspective because I think a lot of people don't, don't just understand how wild this is. So uh, Kendall Milton and Dejan Edwards both ran for two touchdowns apiece as Georgia had 
over 300 yards on the ground, and 610 yards overall. So, big picture part of this. Um, Todd Munkin had zero games of over 600 yards of offense against an SEC opponent. Mike Bobo's had two games of over 600 yards against an SEC opponent this season. Both of Kentucky those was the other one, right? Do what? Was Kentucky the other one? Kentucky was the other one. Both of those yeah. opponents were ranked at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody take a step back from Mike Bobo's not that good. He only put up 30 on Mizzou, and he had shootouts against Vandy and Auburn. Mike Bobo's offense put up over 600 yards against two ranked SEC opponents this season, something that Todd Munkin did zero times in his career at Georgia. Mm-hmm. It was really impressive. I I'm, that was I think I don't remember if we talked about it a ton with with Grayson, you know, before the game, but obviously Georgia's offense is no slouch either. Everyone talked about Ole Miss and we I mean we spent a good amount of time talking about the running game, Jackson Dart and all that. Didn't talk a whole lot about the uh, Georgia offense, but boys came to play. Yes, they did. I felt, I felt a little bit disrespected and took it out on lane. Yeah. Um, I think, I think a big part of it is with, um, you know, stories have come out here and there for years now about Lane and Kirby going at each other in practice Mm -hmm. and how they would be supposed to there, how they would be, you know, supposed to be working on like, Hey, we're going to work on run plays. And then Lane would do like a flea flicker bomb pass just because he wanted to beat Kirby so bad he would essentially mm-hmm. cheat in practice to beat Kirby. Mm-hmm. And I think Kirby was like, oh, offense? Okay. We, we got offense. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, if you look at their post-game handshake, Lane just looked so defeated. Like, he did not want to be there anymore. I mean, post-game, you talked about. Something you didn't see on, yep. um, on TV? Lane didn't really leave his sideline. That hmm. took place between the numbers and the sideline on the visiting sideline. Oh, wow. Kirby walked almost all the way across the field to shake Lane's hand. That's tough. Yeah, not That's... a good look. No, no. Not a good look. Again, that might be one of the reasons why he might end up being the best fit at uh, Texas A&M because he's, he's topped out. He, they, he can win 10 games a year at Ole Miss and be comfortable. So I don't think they're going to expect any more than that. I mean, that's the top end of that. They've only had, what did we say, two 10-win seasons prior to Lane getting there, and he's already had two himself. So yeah, he's already one of the best coaches they've ever had, and he could easily probably should leave for his sake. But anyway. Um, and then, you know, Carson continued his streak of consecutive 250-plus yard passing games to start a career. Um, 18-25 for 306 yards, two touchdowns. I Carson not only like owns this record, but he now owns this record by two games. Yeah. I I think I think half of those he also has over three hundred yards, so it's not just just barely only, squeaking by. So I want to say he only has less than three hundred yards in three or four games this year. Mm-hmm. It's crazy for a you know again a first year starter, even though. You're four in the program, but still. Of your starter in what was, you know, allegedly a subpar offense. Mm-hmm. 
you know. Yeah, I wonder. I, I know this isn't in here at all, but you know, let's say everything goes according to plan. They three P. I don't want to, you know, not to get ahead of ourselves, but just you know, throwing it out there, good vibes. Do you think he comes back and tries to get his own four Pete, his own repeat? Mm. I think it depends on what the scouts say because, um, I mean, it came out this weekend that there were there were NFL draft experts. Air quotes on experts, because you guys know what I think about them if you listen to it since for the draft this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's projected round three right now. Mm. I do what you will with that information. I feel like the game he had on Saturday drastically uh, increases that. Mm-hmm. Especially considering, you know, the whole thing was he's not mobile. Um, oh, he could run. He's got some wheels. And he had, what, 30, maybe 40 yards on the ground on Saturday? Yeah, he converted like a third and 12, third and 15 fairly easily. Like, he, he's he got wheels. He can he can run when he needs to. Yeah. Um, God. Ne- next bullet here is just about Brock Bowers. Um, 26 days after ankle surgery. And I texted the group chat during warm-ups. And I just said, he's playing. Because during warm-ups, he was beating Kamari Lasseter running routes. <laughs> and it wasn't just like running routes and catching passes. He was breaking and quickly. He was jumping for passes. Mm. I saw it was a uh, it was a little dig route where he had to cut hard and then jump for the pass and he mm. caught it i was like he's playing period that that is it's not fair <laughs> for it's, anyone to have to cover him that's ridiculous and you know i actually i texted connor um o'gara yesterday after the game and i said have you figured out what species of alien brock bowers is mm-hmm. and he said i think Calling him an alien may be giving too much credit to aliens. That's a good point. Um, so gotta think, yeah, gotta think of something else. So, and I did. Um, okay. Coming up with wild and crazy comparisons and conspiracy theories, one of my favorite activities. <laughs> Brock Bowers is the Terminator, but there you go. because the movie was already made in the future, they watched it. And said, you know what? Instead of going back in time to kill people, we're going to go back in time and make everyone love us. And then we're going to get it started. I like that. Like, Because you can't hate Brock Bowers. I mean, even opposing fan bases, like this guy. It's one of those things of where, like, you can be upset that he did it to your team, but yeah. he does it to every team. Yeah, he's not disrespectful. I mean, he just he just goes out there and fucking plays. Yeah, very well. And you know, if he is a Terminator, this is this is a joke. Before I even say it, if he is a Terminator, kind of makes sense that they didn't get everything right because there's no way a kid that young should have a hairline that far back. Me and him—that's one thing we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're pretty much twins. Uh, yeah, like, I mean, were you, were you playing on Saturday night? 
I, people are asking. I, <laughs> I mean, have you ever seen us in the same room? No. I, no. I have not. I have no. not. Um, but, you know, it, it's entirely possible that Brock Bowers did get his last touchdown inside of Stanford Stadium. Mm-hmm. I'm glad he yeah. did get it. You know, it was in the fourth quarter when the game was well in hand at that point. But if he does leave, um, which is still up in the air at this point, according to what Kirby said, because apparently there were scouts and agents calling him while he was injured saying, hey, man, you're a top 10 pick. You shouldn't play. You should just come sign with me and we'll get you rested and recovered. And apparently mm. all that did was piss Brock off. Love it. Yeah, apparently Kirby said that every time he got a phone call, he would call or talk to Kirby and be like, it just pisses me off that they think I'm done. He's like, I'm not done. Dude, what if what if he did come back, though? What if? What what a, I mean... It, I don't want to think about it because I don't want to get disappointed if he yeah. does He would solidify him, himself on maybe being like the Mount Rushmore of just all-time just college football players in general, not just tight ends. He's already up there. Oh, hey, fucking he's college the best football. To ever play the game of college football. Yeah, that's without question at this point. He's going to win the Mackey Award twice. Should have won it three times. And in a season yeah. in a season where he didn't play two games. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, you know, we were all expecting Brock to be out until the SEC championship game. So I know I texted you this earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, if Brock gets an average of 80 yards per game, and Georgia plays 15 games a season. He will break 1,000 yards. Let's go. Let's go. And, you know, a few weeks ago it was, you know, oh, if he comes back in the SEC championship and Georgia plays 15, he would only need 140 yards per game, which still you know, he could do only it. sounds yeah. absurd unless you're talking about Brock Bowers. Yeah. But now he needs 80 yards per game in play in 15 games. Mm-hmm. Definitely within reach. Within reach. And wouldn't that be insane? You're talking Terrence Edwards, arguably one of the best wide receivers ever played at Georgia, mm-hmm. has 1,003 yards. Yeah. And then a tight end out of Napa, California, that played running back in high school, gets 1,000 really... and misses two games. Yeah. How unfair would that be to try to tackle him as a running back? Good lord. Especially those kids. Oh my god. Yeah. So we do want to hit on Ole Miss uh, before we just keep on having a little um, you know, victory lap here. So Ole Miss started off hot scoring two touchdowns on two of their first three drives um, and Quinshaw Judkins scored on both of those. Kelsey called me a traitor because I kept him in my fantasy lineup yesterday. But I was like, honestly, with the way Georgia's played the run, especially on the outside this season, mm-hmm. I feel like that's just a smart move. Yeah. And he didn't, I mean, he didn't play bad. I mean, the two touchdowns definitely helped him. I mean, he was the only guy worth the damn on that offense all night. And a lot, I think a big part of that is Georgia didn't give anybody the opportunity to make a play. Yeah. Like Quinton Jokins, top two or three running back in college football. Mm hmm. And he's he's going to get his. I mean, he had, what is it, um, 22 carries for 75 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he was the only person to score a touchdown for Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the definition of 
he's good enough, he's going to get his. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and we already kind of talked about Jackson Dart getting knocked out of the game. Before that, he was 10 for 17 for 112 yards and an interception. Um, and I feel like... I think, uh, he, I think he combined for more yards than both J.J. McCarthy and Drew Aller. I, but yeah, anyway. I mean, I think he had more pass attempts than those two combined. He... It's close, if not. Yeah. Um, Sorry. We'll get to that in a minute because I, I know for a fact that we have big, big difference in opinions on that game. <laughs> um, but yeah, so Dart was knocked out of that game. To be fair, he got his ass beat while he yeah. was in that game. Um, Georgia was sending C.J. Allen, Marvin Jones Jr., Jalen Walker. I mean, it was there was there was a spy. And as soon as they realized he wasn't running, that spy turned into a bullet. Yeah, yeah. That was, the defensive game plan was, if it's not a designed quarterback run, make him wish it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Spencer Sanders, my favorite quarterback of all of college football last year, did come into the game. Um, Four of seven for 61 yards, including a bad pass that Dayton Wade probably made the catch of the year on. That was incredible. Odell Beckham Jr.'s catch to shame because Mm -hmm. Dayton Wade was horizontal, probably five feet off the ground, and made the catch well behind his body with no bobbles. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was actually pretty well covered. So, yeah. Insane. Play of the day or game. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care if Ole Miss lost. I don't care if they got slaughtered. Mm-hmm. That was a, a insane. Insane. Um, mm-hmm. I'm very interested to see if if uh, Jackson Dart does come back. Uh, we Grayson said that he intends to come back next season, so I almost wonder if they, they let Spencer get some more playing time, um, especially if, you know, that injury to his collarbone is more significant than they thought because he did go to the locker room for x-rays. Yeah. After, shortly after that. Um, they, cause they still have an outside chance of getting to a, a new year six bowl. Probably not great. Cause I think Missouri and Alabama are probably ahead of them in the sec, but they have a shot. Um, historically the person or the team that loses the sec championship kind of gets screwed on a bowl. Yeah. Um, so if they finish 10 and two, I think there's a, a pretty good chance they do get some sort of new year six bowl. And if not, what they get the citrus bowl in Florida and they get yeah, to go somewhere bad. it's warm. That yeah. Could be worse. Oh, sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and your next bullet here is read off Caleb's facts from the group chat because you're banned and can't copy and paste. So let me pull that up. And I, I will say, those of you that know, I, I would double down on what I said to get suspended. <laughs> oh. I, well, we still don't even know what got you suspended. I think it was a combination of things, but I, 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 I think the reason why I got suspended wasn't necessarily the uh, the thing I said in the uh, the group message, but because my wife also got it too, and everybody admins one of her uh, her Facebook groups that she had, so it was probably a combination of that. Okay, how far back do I need to go for these? Uh, oh, got it. Okay. Um, 52 is the most points Georgia has scored in a top 25 matchup inside of Sanford Stadium. The previous record was 51 points, which Georgia scored against Kentucky 
just a few weeks ago. Before that, it was 48 against Boise State way back in 2005. Once again, Mike Bobo's offense. Some would say it's pretty good. Uh, yeah, that's fair. Um, the highest scoring performance Georgia has against any opponent in Sanford Stadium is actually 81 points scored against Mercer in uh, 1941. Who could forget? Uh, Mercer almost uh, allowed their own record to get beaten against Ole Miss this year by giving up 73. Um, mm-hmm. So just tie it back in there. Um <laughs> 52 is the most points allowed by Ole Miss this season, including the LSU game. And that's crazy. The, that's crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, and is the most points they've allowed since the 2020 COVID season. Hmm. I don't. I would love to know who scored more. And wait, was it the was that the Bama game? game? Yeah, where it was I think like 56 so. something. Yeah, that makes mm. sense. Well, that was like um, was that the get your popcorn ready game? No, the year after was get your popcorn ready. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and Georgia had exactly 300 rushing yards, um, helped by Kendall Milton averaging 14 yards per carry. Yeah, he did. Um, the only other game where they've broken 200 mark in rushing this year was against Vanderbilt. In, was against Vanderbilt with 291. And... Um, it's the first time since two since Mizzou in 2017 where Georgia rushed and passed for 300 yards each in a game. Damn. Okay. Um, once again, not a Todd Munkin offense in 2017. Just you know. Yeah, Jim Chaney of all guys did that. That's that's wild. Okay. Yeah, and that I mean to be fair, Missouri's defense at that time was really bad. Um, I don't think well, Ole Misses is really bad, but it's not great. Well, and we an and Georgia had defense. Georgia had Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle too. That's so, true. That's very yeah. true. Um, so Mark Rick and Stetson Bennett were honored during the game. Um, there were actually a few more people. I don't know how much of this they showed on TV, um, but Mark Rick got his induction plaque for the College Football Hall of Fame, and Stetson received the Burlesworth Trophy. The second Which time, is, apparently. Do what? That's his second trophy. Or second time he's won that time one. It was presented to him at a game. Okay. So that that was kind of the, the situation there because I think his dad gave it to him on the field. Oh, neat. Okay. Um, but the Burlesworth Trophy is given to the nation's best former walk-on player, so it was obviously for last season. Side note on Stetson. Um, it was rumored that the reason that he's on the non-football injury list with the Rams is because he went to a uh, alcohol rehab program. I don't know how true that is. I have no idea how true that is, but that's been the rumor that hasn't really been disputed by L.A. Uh, hmm. Okay, um, so they just, they okay, so they're not paying him because he's getting help potentially. It's kind of what it sounds like. I don't know. Hmm, okay. I don't know. Um, but as far as how he looks, this was by far the best he has looked since early last season. Yeah. Like, he looked healthy. He looked happy. Like, he mm-hmm. was genuinely appreciative of the crowd. Like, you couldn't hear what the actual thing he was getting 
uh, awarded for on the field were you had to read the you had to read the jumbotron mm-hmm. because it was that's possibly the loudest the stadium was at any point was cheering for Seth and Bennett getting that trophy. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to throw any wild accusations out there, but that is the rumor that hasn't really been disputed. But he looks really good and he looks happy. So yeah. Real mm-hmm. really happy that, you know, whatever's going on and why he's not with the Rams right now, it looks like he's getting up through it. And the Rams could freaking use him right now because they are it hurting that quarterback. But yeah. Yes, they are. Um, mm-hmm. One of the more disappointing parts of the game, there was a golden retriever on the field before before kickoff. Um, golden retriever was loving on all the Georgia coaches during warm-ups. Not this one. Um, it was not juice. It was not. We were all, everybody in our section was super excited. We thought Lane <laughs> brought juice to Athens. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, like, everybody was like, oh, shit, Brock's warming up. That's a 12 out of 10 excitement yeah. level. It's mm-hmm. probably an eight out of ten that we thought Juice was on the field. <laughs> it it would have been an incredible, uh, would have been an incredible photo op for uh, for Lane to get Juice and uh, and Ugga together. Um, you know, while you brought Ugga up, so I know that they don't really show it a lot on TV, but you can tell that he is a puppy puppy. Yeah, because he, he wants to walk the entire game, mm-hmm. like. His handler is walking him when the teams, like when the game's on the other end of the field, they are walking him around the other end zone and like up and down Georgia's sideline and then back to his house. Mm-hmm. And then the camera will be on him and you'll see him like scratching at the door to get out and walk more. <laughs> like he is a puppy. Yeah. At the, at the spring game when they did the collaring ceremony for him, we were laughing because like he was dragging his handler and the other person that was with them. Cause he was just like so anxious and just like, not really like uh, a least trained, like quite as well as, you know, he probably yeah. is now, but yeah. it was very funny. They're like, dude, this guy's going to get after it. Oh no, he's um he's a puppy. And you know, I talked about it on here before on how they're changing the breeding practices of the Ugga bloodline. So the dogs are healthier Mm-hmm. And he looks a lot skinnier than the Uggas of the past have. So yeah, he he looks like closer to like the the early earlier Uggas, like three, four, or something like that. He's not, yes. he, yeah, yeah. Um, he looks healthy. He's constantly running his handler ragged, walking around the field because he wants to be out and running. So I expect the reign of Boom to last a long time. Hell yeah, love to hear it. <clears throat> All right, let's get in players of the game. Go ahead with the offense. All right, so offensive player of the game, I don't think you can really make an argument for anybody else. Kendall Milton. Again, I, me being the resident Kendall Milton, I don't want to say hater, but shit talker Questioner. a little bit. Questioner. Questioner, yeah. Just, just asking questions is what we're here for about <laughs> Kendall. But senior day, nine rushes, 127 yards and two touchdowns. He had some big runs in this game. He was... <laughs> This is the Kendall Milton that we all thought that we were getting when he signed on as a five-star guy from California. Healthy Kendall Milton's a problem. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't tackle him low, then hold him down. Ole Miss didn't really try to tackle him at all. I mean, I think there was two runs where he went untouched just going through the middle for, for his but, touchdown. But, so. And that, it was like a 40-something yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. When the Red Seas parted, it, you knew once he got past the line of scrimmage, he was gone. I think like he did one of those runs like erupted. 
he did one of those runs, I think, right through the hole that uh, Marius Mims created. And like that, it was so nice to have him back too. We didn't, we haven't mentioned him, but that was good. No, I, I think, um, I think we'll have to throw him here in here on one of them as like an A and B kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. Um, so defensive player of the game, we've got Javon Bullard, five tackles, four of them solo, a tackle for loss, and an interception. Um, Javon Bullard's another one of those guys. He's just so good. He's going to get his. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter if you have the best wide receivers, like, group, you know, between if you're talking one through four, one through five. I think almost probably has the best top five in uh, in the SEC. Javon Bullard's going to get his. Mm-hmm. Point blank period. Like, he's either going to hurt you or take the ball from you. And Yeah, he had a hell of a game. I mean, that's, that's just his M.O., that whole that whole secondary. And if you don't follow Javon Bullard on Instagram, do it. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if if maybe there's some he's getting some like NFL draft rumors where people are saying he's not that good. He's the pettiness dial is getting turned a little bit. Just love it. Just a little bit. Um mm-hmm. and he's every time he gets a big hit or an interception. He posts the video to his Instagram. <laughs> I love and I love him so much. I, Javon Bullard's my favorite, absolutely. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I, man, I am I am so looking forward to a. Um, oh, what was the nickname of the play? Eric Stokes destroyed the Tennessee quarterback in 2017. Oh, um, or not, maybe it wasn't Eric Stokes. It was Tyreek McGee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, it just blew him up. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember. Part two next week? Ooh. Part two? Buller might. Send Tyke or Javon to mm-hmm. uh to heat seeking missile, Joe Milton. If you <laughs> if you if you sent both of them and they both hit him at the same time, would the quarterback like survive? I think he would blow up. I either either just implode or be cut in half. Yeah, on my television. This King Solomon just straight down the middle, just cut him in half. Um, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. Joe Milton's a good guy, though. But yeah, I I don't want Joe Milton to get hurt. Yeah, but I want him to be. Nico hurting. can get it though. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I I want him to be hurting. Yeah. Like I want him <laughs> to leave everything. that game saying, "I'm really glad I didn't play against the 2022 defense." Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right, so Boom's newcomer, C.J. Allen, played really well in Pop's absence with the, his uh, forearm injury. Led the team in tackles. He had nine nine total tackles, four solo, and a huge sack yes. in that game. So yes. yeah, C.J. Allen played well. I was I was very I was I don't want to say pleasantly surprised because I you know obviously he's capable of it. He's highly you know regarded freshman, but he played well. We I mean we talked about it last week. It's it, you know. We knew we know what CJ Allen's capable of, but last week when he was kind of thrust in with with not a ton of snaps against Power Five and SEC competition, he had a few moments where he was flat footed, deer in headlights, and I said, I told you guys last week, I said, once he gets in the rhythm of starting on this defense, he is going to be good. Mm-hmm. He proved it last night with a hellacious performance. 
when he made some of those hits, like for a second, he's, you know, number 33. I thought it was uh, Robert Beal out there again. I'm like, no, no, he's gone. Yeah. No matter. Yeah. Yeah. No, CJ, true freshman CJ Allen was mm -hmm. punishing everybody he got in touch with on that Ole Miss offense. And he's not the biggest guy either. So for him to be able to do that stuff is even even more impressive. Damn, if if our soundboard from early in the season was set up, he would have been the um, my God, a freshman player of the game. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. My bad, CJ. You you get the uh, my God, a freshman player of the game. I won't make that mistake again. We will have the audio set up for next week. There we go. Oh, okay. okay. There we you go. Know, I just want to apologize. Um, hungriest dog. So obviously, one A is um. Brock Bowers, 26 days after getting tightrope surgery, no brace, no tape, out there blocking, cutting, making plays, downfield blocks. Um, possibly his last game between the hedges, three catches, 34 yards, and a touchdown. And, you know, just doing Brock things. I think. Oh, boy, that Brock ship. Brock Vember. No. I don't know. Brock Simber. Ooh, Brock January as well. Hopefully, um, we'll we'll, we'll workshop that one. That <laughs> yeah, we'll crowdsource it. Yeah. Um, and then for one B, the entire offensive line. Um, yeah. Zero sacks, zero tackles for loss. Marius Mims came back, made a huge difference. And what the offensive line and I think Brock Bowers run blocking had a huge effect on it too. What they mm -hmm. were able to do in the run game, as, I mean, Kendall's 40-something yard touchdown was on an Amarius Mims block. Dylan Fairchild played his ass off. They're still rotating left guard between him and Micah Morris, who was wearing uh, 77 for Devin Willick. Mm -hmm. But this is, this, this is the offense that we expected to see early in the season. Everybody's healthy. You got Ladd. You got Brock. You got the best starting five offensive line out there. You have mm -hmm. Dejan healthy. You have Kendall healthy. Andrew Paul in the fourth quarter was gashing the defense. You had old freight train Roger Robinson making his presence known with some big runs there. Mm -hmm. This is, it may have taken until the 10th game of the season. But this is the offense that we knew this team was capable of. Mm -hmm. And especially with that offensive line, they proved it. I would much rather them peak right now than like back in September. Uh, oh, 100%. Yeah. Um, and we're going to do Calling the Dogs right here. If you would like to be on next week's Calling the Dogs, the phone number is 678-465-8020. And I'm actually going to step away and use the restroom while we do this. All right. All right. So, unfortunately, I wasn't able to call last night or earlier this morning. So, the drunk and obnoxious things kind of worn off a little bit. I just wanted to give a message to those in sports media, especially people like Chris Marler. You can tweet it at him if you want, at Vern Funquist. People who keep insisting that Georgia is not being disrespected by media and have no idea where Georgia fans are getting that idea from that media is disrespecting Georgia. Look no further than Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler and anyone else on ESPN last night who talked about Georgia's win over Ole Miss, a 35-point win over a top-10 team that deserved to be there, and Michigan's win over Penn State, which was a 9-point win 
over a team that was on the top ten just because that's kind of their usual spot until they lose to Ohio State and Michigan. And look at how they were trying to make those wins look identical in terms of what prestige to these schools for them, what credit should be given to these schools for them. It's the same cycle every single week. They come in and they say, oh, well, this such-and-such team is going to be the team to finally beat Georgia. Georgia plays them. Georgia beats them convincingly. Georgia still hasn't played anybody, man. Their schedule's so weak. Oh, that team, forget about them. They weren't very good. Oh, the next team, though. The next team's going to be the one to beat them. Lather, rinse, repeat. Because they just cannot acknowledge that Georgia is still the best team in the country. Georgia is worse this season than they have been the last two years and are still the best team in the country. They don't want to admit that. They're terrified of it. They've been saying Alabama and Ohio State every year for the last few years in the national championship now. It hasn't happened. It's not happening this year. And they're terrified of that because they're terrified of everybody figuring out, well, we already know that they're a bunch of clowns and hacks and really do not deserve your attention whatsoever. Go dogs. Thank you again for our Brock Bowers, our Jamie, uh, Caleb Tillman, not Caleb Williams. Um, for that was assault in. when you called him that last week. I, <laughs> I apologize, damn it. <laughs> um, for calling in to call the dogs once again. Um, and I agree with pretty much everything he said, but you guys, if you are not on the live stream or watching on YouTube, you'll hear it on the audio version. Um, so the other game he was talking about in his, uh, in his calling the dogs voicemail was Michigan who were four point favorites at Penn state. Um, so we have to talk about the Jim Harbaugh situation before we even really get into this game. Um, I'll let you go through this stuff. And then, you know, I've got some, we have similar takes on the Harbaugh situation. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be in line on this part. Okay. So I wrote this kind of as the news broke, on on Friday about the whole suspension for three games thing that was kind of floating around there a few days before that and all that um maybe not necessarily three games but you know that's what it ended up being so before we even get to that the NCAA at, at this point it's kind of they've kind of alluded to not having enough information to be able to like t directly tie Harbaugh to the whole science ceiling thing like directing or knowing about it and all that all right so it as of right now, it doesn't look that doesn't look like the NCAA is going to punish Harbaugh, but the Big Ten will, which not in not in their guidelines, not in their bylaws that they can do that. Okay, Michigan is your best chance to win a Natty since 2014. That uh, that Ohio, that Ohio State team with you know Ezekiel Elliott and all that. Uh, the SEC wouldn't pull the shit, not not to this nature, not when you're about to win a national championship. I mean, all their shit with Ole Miss and in in Arkansas, Houston Nut and all that. And I mean, there's there's petty shit like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not they're not going to pull the shit when they're going to you're, you're going to ruin it. Looking for, at Cam Newton getting paid to go to Auburn. Yeah. Oh man, the, even but the whole coaching thing that the, the the effect that the sign stealing stuff you know whatever I mean if it, it they find it, that he's guilty of it and he directed him and all that yeah they should be punished but at this point it's too early they haven't had due process they haven't had the day in court they haven't done any of that. But for the Big Ten to try to sabotage their CFP chances to appease fucking Rutgers, Purdue, uh, the hairless nuts in Columbus, just a bunch Nebraska. of mid Nebraska, 
fucking Matt Rule said, oh, yeah, we're three and five or whatever it was at the time. But, you know, one of those teams scouted us. Everybody fucking scouts you, dumbass. Everyone does. It, it, they didn't need signs to see. Uh, they didn't need any signs to beat the shit out of Nebraska. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, but do. but for the Big Ten to appease these mid teams in the Big Ten is is outrageous. Again, it, it, again, off season, whatever, you know, if they find actually find something. Sure. Why not? OK, that's fine. But to this point, it, they're just trying to it's mob justice at this point. They have nothing to actually I don't know what to do. Um, they're going to hear the court on. They're going to hear the case on Friday and try to put the temporary restraining order on there. So we're going to, you know, do this whole song and dance again on Friday. But um, even Kirby said knowing signs really doesn't impact the outcome of the game. But then Lincoln Riley on the complete opposite side of that said, "Oh, it's a double digit swing." I don't know who you trust more on the matter, Lincoln but I'm going to go with Kirby on that. Any excuse on why he's lost? Uh, what three out of or four out? Of- Three out of the last four? Four out of the last five? Something like that? Something, something like that. Just too many games for USC. And the Heisman, reigning Heisman Trophy winner. But the, I think the part that I think really set a lot of Michigan fans off, including me, off the most was the news of the suspension broke while Jim Harbaugh was on the fucking airplane going to State College. On the fucking airplane. They showed him getting on the bus in Ann Arbor to go to uh, Detroit Metro Airport, which is about about an hour from Ann Arbor, right? Um when when the news broke, when uh, what's his face from from ESPN had said that you know the three game suspension was coming down and all that, he was in the air more than likely or or and all that. He was informed of the suspension on the tarmac. He got off the plane and they had a meeting there, like a la Lane Kiffin getting fired at a uh, USC. They met him on the fucking air, uh, 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 runway to tell him about it, and it's just it's chicken shit. Uh, Tony Petiti, the new Big Ten commissioner, he has no collegiate experience whatsoever. He ran MLB.tv, which I, I don't know how that necessarily qualifies him to well, to lead maybe the biggest. You know, running MLB broadcasting qualifies you to do nothing except for maybe run a drive through line. Because mm-hmm. they're the one sport in the country that is losing viewers on a yearly basis. Mm-hmm. And what do they do? Say, oh, you want to watch the game? Go to Apple TV. You want to watch the yeah. game? Go to Amazon. You want to watch yeah, the pay- game? Oh, you can't. The team's 15 minutes from your house, but it's a blackout today. Yeah, it's it's, it's stupid. And I know I understand the, the whole idea of like trying to get better network deals and having like TV executives is, is that because that's what the product is turning into. I don't care. This guy is not he's not it. And he's no. proven that abundantly at this point. He's he's fucking clueless when it comes to to running arguably the most influential uh uh conference in you know college athletics you know between them and the sec you know i think the big 10 actually makes more money at this point but regardless he's not qualified for it and he's and he showed it um the university of michigan and the michigan state legislature are united on the front about you know getting behind hardball and all that the university president the athletic director all that the fan base obviously the coaching staff and kids and all that um we'll get to that in a bit but um, I fully expect them to go nuclear on it. Um, remember when uh, Dan Snyder with the the Washington R words when they were talking about taking away the team from him and all that, and he basically is like, "Okay, if y'all are gonna do that, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna burn this shit down, and I'm gonna let nobody's uh, closet skeleton, you know, free." You know, so I'm like, Jim Harbaugh will do the same thing. Michigan will do the same thing. It will be worse. I can oh, guarantee yeah. you that. 
he's going to find whatever skeletons there are to find. Michigan's going to find that. Um, Wait, does, does, Jim, does, does Jim Harbaugh's brother-in-law run a private investigation firm? He has a shit ton of siblings, so he probably has something that could. There you go. That, that you got to pull Ryan Day and get your brother-in-law yeah. to uh, to look into it for you. you got to get your big brother to to help. Uh, Michigan Vito is going to get my big brother to try to you know look into stuff. Uh, um, but I, I know this isn't going to happen. The big uh, the Michigan uh, Board of Regents talked about you know what it would take to or discussed at least the idea of Michigan leaving the Big Ten over this if the suspension came down. I, for one, I'm, they're not going to leave the Big Ten, but it, it's fun to think about. And I, and culturally, um, if you, I mean, if you've ever been to that part of the the country, they're much closer culturally to the South than they are to the Midwest. I mean, they really, the Detroit metro area is not Midwest at all. Like, there's a lot of lot of history that you can go back and uh, cultural, you know, uh, migrations and all that. It, it's much more closer to like a Southern vibe and all that and even like tailgating and just the environment around the college like the people are fanatic about it that's why it's the big house that's why they have the biggest uh attendance you know the biggest you know uh, the biggest stadium in college football 10th biggest in the world um it'd be really fun for them to go to the sec again probably not going to happen but it'd be fun but talk about the idea of leaving the big 10 probably not going to happen but it'll be a cool uh off-season thing to talk about but um this last thing here before, before I get off my soapbox, but going back to the Tony Fatiti thing, this isn't necessarily an apples to apples comparison, but in uh, my day job in public education, there are plenty of, of things that I can tell you that that we do and people do to just justify having a fucking job. Tony Fatiti is doing that. He, yeah. He's doing it. He's like, oh, I, I got to do something here. Like nobody knows me. I, I did not know who this guy was 10 days ago. Yeah. I knew we had a new one. I didn't know who it was. I do know. I know now. Um, but this, with that said, the Big Ten should have let the process play out. Um, you don't need to do anything. Just again, let the NCAA do their thing, and it's just it. It makes no sense to me. But again, if if, if Michigan does something, if they did something that they and they connected to Harbaugh and all that, yeah, punish the shit out of them. But at this yeah. point, you don't know. It's too early. It's reactionary. Yeah. No, I I agree. And so. So my take on this is the Big Ten, you kind of mentioned it a minute ago, in the bylaws of the Big Ten, if something like this were to happen, it is in their written structure that it is a responsibility of the athletic director and president of the university. And it is a finable offense by the conference. So what did they do? They wanted to appease Ohio State and the rest of the Mid Ten and say, we're going to actually, um, we're going to suspend Jim Harbaugh for the rest of the regular season. Funny that they did three games on this week when it was rumored last week because mm-hmm. that third game would have been Ohio State. You do it on Veterans Day weekend knowing damn well they, it's a federal holiday. Yep. They're not no, going to be able to stop it. The shadiness of it, like this is a backroom handshake deal Hmm. they college game day talked about this was going to happen at 9 a.m yeah Mm -hmm. and then they waited for jim harbaugh to get on the plane and then they announced it while he was on the plane on a federal holiday where he couldn't get a hearing 
between the shadiness, them not following their own rules, not letting the NCAA process play out. When what it was come out about the NCAA process that the FBI helped the investigation with was that Mm -hmm. Jim Harbaugh had no connection to it. It, and it, then yeah. they just wanted to appease the mid ten and suspend Jim Harbaugh. Now the entire mm-hmm. thing's shady. And I, if Michigan, if this plays out to where he ends up being out at least three games, and then the investigation says, "Oh wait, he actually didn't know anything about it." My bad. And Michigan does not make an effort to leave the Big Ten. I could see Jim Harbaugh quitting just because of this situation. And I don't think anybody can blame him. Jim Harbaugh yeah, and, and him. Yeah, they're, they're, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, again, stuff that we've talked about, Jim Harbaugh is one of the pettiest people out there. Like he, when he was a uh, quarterback for the Colts, uh, Jim Kelly, you know, pro, uh, you know, Hall of Fame quarterback and all that, he was doing a game for the Colts. And he said that, oh, Jim Harbaugh shouldn't be starting this game. Jim Harbaugh went and found Jim Kelly and got in a fight with him. I think he broke Jim Kelly's jaw or something like that i can't remember what it was but just because he was talking shit about him it they're gonna do something I, I i do yeah can we settle the can we settle the whole whole ordeal big 10 royal rumble all the head coaches mm-hmm. ryan day would get eliminated first he saw i well he would get eliminated first because I think everybody else would just combine to push him over and then be like, all right, now let's fight. Hmm. PJ Fleck would be sneaky in that. I think Matt Rule would be hard to get over the top rope because he's a bigger dude and same with Brett. Brett, yeah, Bert, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think those two would be the toughest. Mm -hmm. But I also think Jim Harbaugh would be willing to lose a few discs in his back to hurt somebody. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, he wouldn't. Yeah, he would definitely not. He he would definitely not quit. He'll he'll find a way, even to cheat and do it. Um, I, I was about to say that's fitting. Um, yeah. <laughs> but what what we've gotten from this conversation is Jim Harbaugh will be the next Texas A and M head coach. Fuck, he will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Urban Meyer to Michigan, Jim Harbaugh to A and M. Oh my god! Do you talk, about talk about the college football world? Game? The actual game wasn't that good. <laughs> well, yeah, I, that's why I want to talk about it. Yeah. Um, it's You put it in here. This is the epitome of Big Ten football. Um, mm. Would you like to know? I, I just looked it up. Would you like to know how many passes were completed through the 60 minutes of football? Was it 15? 17. Wow. 17. <laughs> to be fair, J.J. McCarthy went 7 for 8. Um, and Drew Aller went 10 for 22. And he really, and, and Aller really didn't complete that many passes up until like, kind of like, it, it wasn't necessarily garbage time, time but he had, he had a touchdown pass late. Yeah, no, it was, it was desperation time because when they scored that touchdown late, if they had gotten the two point conversion, gotten the onside kick and gotten another touchdown, they could have won. They, they went for two early in that game and didn't get it. They were chasing points as that Michigan was up, I think. Um, uh, I can't remember what the exact exact score was, but they were trying they to didn't score very much. Yeah, they were trying to get within three. They tried to, you know, when they uh when they scored their uh, touchdown early in the game, and that ended up hurting them, or else they could have 
played it safe and gone field goals and stuff like that. But um, the offense, both offenses were offensive in this game. Michigan did not do, did not attempt to pass in the second half at all. They ran like 32 consecutive running plays. The one time that uh, JJ McCarthy threw it in the second half, it was offensive, uh, defensive pass interference, and it didn't count. This game was awful to watch. Mm-hmm. So obviously Michigan won 24-15. Um, and in here we've got it. Drew Aller sucks. And I don't know if it's Drew Aller sucks or if the offensive plays calling is just that awful. Because it did. don't get me wrong, he wasn't accurate. But I mm-hmm. think going into the half, he had only attempted three passes. So they he did had fire... an opportunity to get in the rhythm. They did fire the offensive coordinator today. Good. Honestly, but, uh, he should probably yeah. go to jail with with <laughs> Ferris Jr. And Sandusky. Uh, yeah. Put him in the if same he's still cell. Alive. Oh. I don't think he is. Um, Good. But yeah. The, so here's where we're going to differ on this game. This game tells me the Big Ten is not winning a national title this year. I yeah. It so Michigan. To be fair, they scored points. They had their game plan, but nothing looked good. Mm-mm. Like I, if Mich- if Penn State had a better offensive play caller, they would have scored points because. Every three or four times Penn State ran the ball, they got eight or nine yards. They they ran the ball really well against Michigan early on. They were pushing that defense around like early in that game and then kind of just went away from it for whatever reason. I just – don't get me wrong. Michigan State – or Michigan, excuse me, is twice the team Ohio State is. And Ohio State is – the score against Penn State to me doesn't actually – tell the story of that game. Mm-hmm. I think, once again, it's all on the offensive play calling on Penn State. But is there is there anything about this season that has given you confidence in the Big Ten even winning a playoff game this year? Whoever whoever makes it, whether it's Michigan or, or, or Ohio State, I mean, obviously I think it's going to be Michigan, but – they would be the fourth most talented team in the playoff. I mean, they, I think that goes without question. You can look at recruiting and all that. Um, defensively, they're fine. I mean, they're not Iowa. They're not Georgia for that matter. But yeah, I'm going to be confident in them. The only reason why I had talked about putting like a, a small future on them is just the, just the anger that would unite this team. Like, like nothing on paper, nothing from this game would scream out, okay, this is a national championship team. If you didn't know anything about the Harbaugh, Harbaugh stuff or anything like that, it's like, yeah, it's, it's a very Big Ten game. Um, but it, I guess it depends on the matchup. I think they can beat Florida say, State. I was about to say, they beat Florida State. I don't yeah. think that's much of a question. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're not, they're not, yeah, they're not going to beat, well, Probably not going to beat Washington. They definitely won't beat Georgia. Um, I was going to say, I think they could beat Washington. I think it would be a good game. Yeah, yeah it would be. That would be... I think Washington-Michigan is probably the best... Or it's, I think it would probably be one of the better first-round matchups. But I just... Yeah. 
like I think if you follow the eye test, the Big Ten's out of the playoff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ohio State doesn't scream out confidence. Michigan could could go either way. I mean, I I will say that I I wasn't. I mean, we we talk shit about Penn State because Penn, you know, James Franklin is like three and sixteen against top ten teams at at, at Penn State or whatever, but. I don't know. Yeah, I, yeah, I'm not. I'm not super confident in them. I don't. JJ McCarthy's been overrated. I, I, he's fine. He's fine. He's not going to win you games. I mean, he lo- pretty much lost them the TCU game last year. So, and, and yeah. you know, allegedly Ohio State, Rutgers, and Purdue gave TCU all of Michigan signals, and that's why Michigan's big mad about this whole situation. No, it was, I think it was the two pick sixes, and then the. Just the kind of the shitty ref calls and non-targeting stuff that probably mm-hmm. hurt Michigan more so. But yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. I just yeah. you know when I I'm stumbling over my words here because I don't want to be too harsh. Because Michigan, I think they're the second best team in the country behind Georgia. Just based on what they've done against all their competition this year. Penn State has a phenomenal defense. They put up 24 points. Mm-hmm. I still think they're at the same ceiling that they've been over the last two years, though. Yeah. Yeah, I am i don't think you're going to get an argument out of me on it. I mean, the only reason why, even like in the offseason or like before the season started, that I thought they had a, a decent shot at winning the national championships is, is just continuity. They have most of that offense back. I mean, Blake Forum, I think this is his – shoot, I think it's like his 20 – 22nd game in a row that he's had at least one rushing touchdown. Like he, I mean, he's, he's a legit good court, uh, running back, but that, I mean, really when it came, you know, push came to sub, he was the only guy doing Blake anything on Michigan's dog. offense. He was bleeding all over his face. Did the post game interview. He was the offense. Mm-hmm. Like frame that and put that up there. Like with like Eric Russell, like, you know, his head bleeding and stuff like that for Michigan, just Blake Quorum sitting there, the post game presser, just, blood coming down his face and just he was at after the game or after they went back to Ann Arbor uh Sharon Moore the uh, interim coach and and Jim Harbaugh and then the whole football team went to the hockey game there Blake Corum looked like he just got off the ice I yeah dude's yeah dude's a dog I love love Blake Corum but did you did you happen to hear the post-game interview with uh Sharon Moore he I love the passion, but it just it. Everyone on on the Michigan side made it basically made it seem like Jim Harbaugh was like murdered, yeah, or like and, actual prison. And you know, I I've already voiced my issues with Fox's broadcasting crew, mm-hmm. um, especially for the big noon games. But Gus Johnson said Sharon Moore put his ego aside and called the best offensive game that he was capable of, so he ran the ball instead of passing the ball. Um, 32 runs in a row. That's, I'm not even going to say nothing. I'm just gonna I mean, it back. worked. It, it, it worked for him. I mean, it, they won. It, it did. But how much of that had to do with putting his ego aside? He's like, an offensive it, coordinator. Like they, that's what they do best. Is they, they're power running football team. That's what they are. He, they everything set up on that, and you know, play action with JJ McCarthy. Like that's their whole offense. He did his job. Yeah, he, I, exactly. I, 
And, you know, between that and ESPN making it seem like Georgia or uh, Michigan's 24-15 win over a uh, bad Penn State team is the same as Georgia winning 52-17 against Ole Miss. That is, yeah, it makes no sense. No. No. I, Penn I, State, I mean, Penn State is always just, they're going to be mid. We, wouldn't it be funny if James Franklin threw his name out there for Texas A&M? He will. Oh, yeah. I mean, he does it all the time. Um, so I made a list yesterday. Um, and I know you're not in the group chat, so I didn't get your response to it. Um, free tomorrow at three. Free I think our, I'm free. Free our boy, free our boy Mike. <laughs> T-shirts that that's in the next in the uh, million store. Um, so I made a list of teams that I think in the SEC that would beat Penn State. Georgia, Alabama, LSU, Ole Miss, Mizzou, Tennessee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And teams that would have a 50-50 chance with Penn State. South Carolina, Kentucky, and A&M. Yeah, I I don't know about A&M. A&M I feel a lot better about than South Carolina. I was going to say the opposite because, I mean, at least, I mean, South Carolina is like, you know, Offensive line is just destroyed, but they still have Spencer Rattler. That's the only reason why I would give them kind of the more benefit of the doubt over like AM and Kentucky. But I mean, Kentucky, they have Ray Davis, so I don't know. Right. Um, so I do want to hit on one more Big Ten thing before we move on to this next game. Um, Ohio State, you know, if, if we're being honest, the committee's probably going to keep them at number one this week, even though it's absolutely absurd. That's a crime, yeah. Um, they beat Michigan State 35-3. to Michigan State doesn't have anyone left on the team. Like, 10 people entered the transfer portal portal in the last, like, two weeks. Like, they, well, they're nothing. Michigan State has the 46th ranked total defense. So, hmm. okay. Um, I feel like a lot of that is just the competition they play, which is mostly Big Ten. awful. Um, yeah. Big Ten and MAC teams. Yeah. Would you like to know how many teams ranked above them in total defense Georgia scored 30 or more points against? Say, say that a question again. I said, would you like to know how many teams are ranked ahead of them in total defense that Georgia has scored scored 30 or more points against? Hmm. I'm going to say f- five. It's three, but oh. Georgia scored... 51 against Kentucky, who are ranked six spots ahead of them. Mm. And um, Florida's ranked 45th, and Georgia put 42 on them. Mm. Okay. So, you know, just, just throwing that out there. Um, basically just reiterating that Ohio State's not good. Mm. They Their wins haven't aged very well. Notre Dame has fallen off considerably uh, since that game. And then, uh, what was Penn the other State. one they played? Penn State, obviously, very mid. So, Georgia, Georgia has better wins at this point. Um, I agree. But the Ohio State of the SEC, that's uh, Tennessee. They were favored by one and a half points at mm-hmm. Missouri. Um, once again, the uh, the dentist in Knoxville are making some real big dentures because that entire team got their teeth kicked in. Mm-hmm. Cody Schrader, best running back in the SEC. I don't really know if it's a uh, if if it's much of a conversation since 2007. He's only the sixth player in the SEC to have over 100 yards rushing and receiving in the same game. 
Um, some other guys, just you know, a couple names you guys might recognize. Percy Harvin, Dexter McCluster, and Alvin Kamara are the three other names that you know come to mind there. Um, mm. And he's the first SEC player ever to have 200 yards rushing and 100 yards receiving in a game. <laughs> silly. Silly, and silly, silly. You want to know where Tennessee's total defense is ranked? Uh, 50th. Nope. This is going to surprise 69. you. 69. Uh, 21st. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And Missouri did this to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say, ten- Tennessee on the road has been below mid. I think they're below 500 in the last, what, two or three years? under, Or at least under Hypel, they're under 500 on the road in SEC games. That's fair. Um, yeah. But I think at this point, Mizzou is probably going to make a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah. And just because, I mean, they have, what, two losses? One to LSU and one to the number one team in the country or should be the number one team in the country. They got um, yeah. They got Florida and uh, I think Arkansas left. They're not losing those games. No, they are not. Um, and this was Mizzou's second win against the top fifteen team this season at home. Um, and the last time they beat two top fifteen teams at home in the same season was nineteen seventy six. Joe Milton, obviously, just Joe Milton, um, fumbled on an RPO, and. That was incredible. Joe Midton. Yeah. There we go. It's it's stuck. <laughs> um, I honestly. So the next thing here you got is: Do we see Nico next week versus Georgia? I think there's a chance. I I think it's mm. a real big chance because at this point, obviously, we know Joe Milton's not getting the job done against these better teams, and mm-hmm. you're not competing for the East. You're not competing for a New Year's Six Bowl. What is the harm? and putting your five-star out there other than the fact that it's Georgia and um, they hurt people. Are you going to give him like the emotionally? Yeah. Are you going to give him the yips like a DJU got a couple years ago? Like I, I, or... they hate, they hate Hawaiian names. Ooh. Mm. Georgia defense, <laughs> big anti Polynesian name names. Them, is that going to be the thing that uh, takes Kirby down? Maybe that, I don't know. It's not tolerant if of Ohio's, the uh, if, a, if Ryan Day hears this, he'll get his brother-in-law's private investigation on it. Kirby says all the Polynesian slurs. Whatever those would be. Yeah. Um, uh, no, but like, it would be a similar situation to what Dan Mullen did back in 2021 with, a, uh, with Anthony Richardson. Put him, threw him into the fire against the best defense of the 21st century uh, in his first start. Um, you know, against that Georgia team. So I, I, I mean, I want to see it. I'm just, I'm just interested in seeing something else. Is Joe Milton obviously has been there, been playing college football forever, and hasn't got it done ever. So I mean, I would like to see it just for just give us a preview of next year. If he doesn't play next week, I he gets a good bit of time against Vandy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, we're going to run through these next two games pretty quick. We got Utah at Washington. Um, Washington won this game 35-28. And um, I'm not even going to try and pronounce this name. I think it's uh, Alfonso Tupudala. I don't know. Alfonso. Yep. Um, so, wild turn of events. Towards the end of the game, pick six should have been 
dropped the ball at the one, and then Washington got a safety on one of the next plays because Utah recovered the ball at the one. Mm. Um, just, uh, okay. Um, it, it it would make Deshaun Jackson very proud. Like, that was – it wasn't even in question that he dropped it at the one. It, it was bad. It was very bad. Um, Washington's still undefeated. They, at this point, will play Oregon in the Pac-12 championship because USC got beat by Oregon. Um, Oregon did not cover the 15. Uh, 36-27 was the final on that one. Bonex had – Four touchdowns of 412 yards passing, and uh, Oregon had two separate passes go at least 74 yards. One of them was 84. The backup defensive coordinator at USC, better, but still not good. Yeah, we let Oregon score 36. That is that is an improvement. I, compared to Washington, who had 52. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Better never rest. That is true. Uh, we're going to run through our bets real quick. Um, and then we have some notes to get to just some, you know, stuff from around the SEC in the country. Um, so I took Georgia to cover 10 and a half, got that. Michigan to cover four and a half, got that. Took Mizzou to win outright. They obviously did. Um, I took Washington money line and the over, which ended up hitting. Glad I didn't take that spread. Um, and then I had Oregon to cover the spread, didn't hit, um, personal bets, not all that great this week. Just throw it, just throwing it out there. Hey, your props Um, though. Props. And I actually took one of yours and put money on it. So I actually came out in the black because I did not put money on Oklahoma state like I wanted to. Good. Um, Good. So I had Arizona State to cover 10.5 at Colorado. They won but didn't cover. I had Miami and Florida State over 50, and total score of that game was 47, so screw both of you. Um, I didn't have Oklahoma State to cover three at UCF. Obviously, they just got demolished and didn't even win that game. Um, Arkansas to cover 2.5, not not good Uh, once again. Very, very wrong. Sorry. I had some some wrong reads this week. It is what it is, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, Brady Cook, one-plus touchdown, and then Ladd to have 65 or more receiving yards. By the time I got it, it was 69, but it's all right. He had 84. There you go. All right, so, yeah, overall, you win uh, you win 75 yes. this week, a very Tennessee-esque uh, record. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so overall, you're 56, 51, and 2. So, again, still in the black, so that's good. Um, me, on the other hand, we took a lot of the same big game uh, bets or took the same side. I uh, took uh, took Georgia to cover the ten and a half. Obviously, they did that. Took Michigan to cover Michigan to cover the four and a half, one by nine. Took Missouri outright. Obviously, cashed in and won by almost thirty. Uh, I took Utah plus nine and a half. They lost by seven, or so they're good. I took USC to to uh, uh, USC plus fifteen against Oregon. They, uh, so they covered that as well. Uh, I missed on the over part of that. So, you know, can't win them all. Um, but Texas Tech and Kansas, keeping up my streak of just not having a read on Texas Tech at all. I, I think I don't it's hilarious know. that the only time they win is when you pick against them. 
So well, there's, when there's your no... bandwagon team looks good, your bets yeah. look bad. You cannot mm-hmm. win with Texas Tech. Literally, I think I'm like what two and eight in yeah. Texas Tech games this year. Like it's it's stupid. They um, I'm still I still feel like I'm on the right side of that. Texas Tech won by three. It won by like a last second field goal. Uh, Kansas should have won that game. They were a four point favorite. I I don't feel bad about that. Fuck Texas Tech. Um, uh, Duke at UNC, the over 50 and a half hit. I think that's uh, the one think, I took. Yeah, I think you UNC almost hit that on their own. I mean, double overtime, walk off winner, and uh, 42, 43, 34. No, I think I, thought, I think it was 45, 43. Okay, I think because it was double overtime and they and Duke didn't convert the two point conversion, and yeah, Drake. Yeah. It was a walk-off win his last game in Chapel Hill. Um, yeah, his last game, yeah. Uh, UConn had James Madison. James Madison, 24.5-point favorite. I took uh, JMU. The under, I took, uh, I was wrong on this, Minnesota at Purdue. I took under 46.5. Uh, Purdue covered that on their own. That that was just very wrong. Um, Rutgers at Iowa. I almost took the under on it. It was like under 27.5. That would have hit, but I didn't do that. I did Iowa to uh, cover the one point just to win outright, and they did. They're going to be they're going to be ten and two, go to the Big Ten championship, and get I don't know, probably keep it close against either one of them. Honestly, I'm not. I wouldn't be surprised. Um, and then the Oscar Delp one or more touchdowns. I did not hit on that because because uh, Brock played. Because Brock played. Or else that would have been his touchdown. But I'm not mad. I'm not mad about that at all. That's fine. Um, so again, week eleven record eight and four, very LSU e. Um. A&M, too. A&M, yeah. They would kill for 8-4 and four right now. Um, and then uh, overall, 61-52-1. So, it's gotten better. Yeah. Um, so, we're going to go through these notes real quick because we know it is a long one tonight. Um, so, there's a four-way tie for second in the Big 12. Oklahoma State holds the tiebreaker, even though they got their teeth kicked in at U- UCF. Um, it's because they beat Oklahoma and Kansas. Mm-hmm. Um Pac-12 still up in the air. Washington finishes at Oregon State and home against Wazoo in the final Apple Cup. Um, Oregon goes to Arizona State and then plays at home against Oregon in the last scheduled Civil War. We might get canceled for saying that. Um, If Iowa in the Big Ten, if Iowa beats Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship, do they make the playoff as a two-loss team? No, I think the Big Ten is just out. Yeah, that's probably fair. They they deserve it. When I when I first wrote that, I thought or I thought uh, Iowa only had one loss. I forgot that they they lost against Minnesota. So yeah, I I, I could see Iowa doing that. Michigan might throw it just so the Big Ten doesn't make the big uh, make the CFP. They might. That would be. He's hilarious. that petty. He's that he, Jim Harbaugh is that petty. That would be hilarious. Um, <laughs> ACC. So Florida State Louisville should be an interesting championship game. Um, and I do think Louisville, if they beat Florida State, they will have enough of a resume that I think they could make the playoff as a one-loss team. Hmm. It will be it it will be interesting to see. It, it, it probably has to shake out a certain a certain way for uh for them it, to make it. But I, yeah, I was about to say I think it really depends on what happens in the Pac-12 and the SEC. Hmm. Yeah, because yeah, if Georgia and, and Washington hold serve then. Louisville could make it. Could yeah. maybe. Um, Jaden Daniels. I no one thought he was going to play this week. No. 
but he did, and he had 606 total yards, six touchdowns after he was um, escaped the guillotine last week. Um, and LSU is 34-33 and three all time against Florida. 15 and seven since Spurrier left. 11 and three since Tebow graduated. Six and one of the last seven. Five of those straight. LSU dominates Florida now. That's what they do. Mm-hmm. Is it even a rivalry? I don't know. Uh, some are asking. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Florida, um, they're five and five, and there's no way in hell they make it to a bowl game. Um, I'll say this for your sake, Mike. They'll see Comas naked next week and uh, finish in the swamp against a top four Florida State. So, fun fact that I threw in here, Florida only has losing records against two teams, Georgia and LSU. They are exactly oh. 500 against Missouri. So, if Missouri Ooh. wins in Como this week, there will be three teams that have a winning record against Florida. Is that is that just SEC teams or is that yes, every team? Yeah, yeah, SEC teams. Okay. Okay. Um, Let's go. Go Tigers. I, you know, it brings joy to my heart to know that Tennessee and Alabama are not in that group. Ooh, yeah, right? That's nice. Just makes me very happy. Um, All right, (laughs) we're going to close it out here because we know we are running real long. So follow our social media at nothing.finder.pod on Instagram, at finderpod on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search us there. Make sure it's got our logo um right buy now, merch. So, what's up buy our merch yes the shirt Slide. is i mean the shirt is really cool i'm not even hyping it up because it's us like if i saw this i would probably buy it on my own yeah they have um, hoodies we have hoodies too the same same design yes um rate and review show five stars send a screenshot we'll send you a sticker and as always remember there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk obnoxious georgia fan